Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. So glad to be here with you. Well, the crying Nazi got uh, denied his bail. The, the, the super tough guy who was the star of the uh, Vice uh, special on, on what happened in Charlottesville, uh, Christopher Cantwell is his name, and then... Uh, once he realized that the that the city had actually issued an arrest warrant for him for causing malicious bodily injury with a caustic substance, he was pepper spraying counter protesters, uh, apparently without provocation. Uh, so the judge said, "No, you don't get bail." I, you know, I I never I never celebrate somebody being arrested or being put in jail. It, it is one of the most brutal things that our society does. And I think the average person doesn't have any sense of how brutal it is um, and, and, and how, you know, we are such social animals and being ripped apart from your social group and, and thrown into a, well, into a cage is, you know, a, 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 just an extraordinarily difficult thing for, I think, for anyone. Um, Louise and I ran a community for abused kids for years and years, and a lot of those kids had been through the criminal justice system, the children's criminal justice system, and a lot of their parents were or had been in prison. And boy, did I see up close and personal the, uh, the consequences of that. In St. Louis, Kenny Kiwi Herring, Herring, a black transgender woman who was shot and killed by the uh, St. Louis police on Tuesday, there was a big protest on Wednesday to say, you know, we don't, we're not happy about this. And, uh, you know, and, and we don't want more of this going on. And uh, some guy, some uh, presumably a white nationalist, they're, they're, we'll find out. They haven't released the name of the guy yet, uh, drove in and hit three protesters. Uh, but uh, apparently not, not so bad that there are injuries. This is not like in Charlottesville. Uh, Donald Trump is siding with Wall Street, and you know I've been talking about this for some time here on this program. How uh, 
you know, Trump wants to essentially destroy your, your, uh, your retirement. And, you know, finally, well, not finally, I mean, there've been a couple of pieces about it in the New York Times over the months, but the editorial board published yesterday, and I'm assuming it's in today's paper, the, the, uh, an op-ed, this is from the editors, of the New York Times. This is not, you know, a, an op-ed writer. This is not the opinion of Paul Krugman or, or, you know, somebody else. This is the opinion of the editorial board itself. The, this is the official position of the New York Times. And they're talking about the fiduciary rule. The fiduciary rule is very, very simple, very straightforward. It says that if you are taking your retirement money to an investment advisor and asking that investment advisor to appropriately invest or advise you as to how to invest your retirement money, then that investment advisor must honestly tell you what's the best investment for you and if they're trying to steer you toward what's the best investment for them, in other words, you know, different funds pay different commission rates to investment advisors. Um, so, you know, if they're, if they're saying, hey, you know, you should put your money in this fund, it only gets a 2% return, but I get a 2% kickback, as opposed to this fund that's got a 3% return, but I only get a 1% kickback, um, you know, commission, excuse me. And right now, they don't have to tell you. Your investment advisor legally can lie to you right now. And it's been this way forever. And, uh, you know, it's just like, so, so Dodd-Frank included this thing called the fiduciary rule that said that if you're an investment advisor, that your investment advisor must tell you the truth. And the Trump administration has been fighting this tooth and nail. It was supposed to take effect on June 9th, but then the Labor Department, uh, you know, part of Donald Trump's cabinet, part of his administration, the Labor Department said it's not going to enforce it. Originally, they said, well, you know, it's supposed to go into effect on June 9th, you know, a couple months ago, but we're not going to put it into place until January of next year. And then, and that's because the financial firms need time to adapt. But they have to figure out how to tell the truth. It takes, a, you know, we're talking banksters here. It takes a long time for banksters to figure out how to tell the truth. So, so, you know, originally they moved it back to January 1st. Now they've moved it back to the middle of the following year, July of 2019. So it's now going to be two years from now, roughly, before this thing even goes into, pre into place, into practice. So this is, this is what the, the New York Times says about that. This is obstruction, pure and simple. Blocking the, the rule remains an administration priority, no matter how arbitrary, capricious, and harmful that would be. In one of his first acts in office, President Trump effectively delayed the rule's implementation date, April 10, by issuing a memorandum calling for its review and possible rollback. That's how it got moved back to July 9th, or June 9th. And then they moved it to January 2018, and now they've moved it to July of 2019. The headline, Mr. Trump sides with Wall Street, you lose. This guy has no interest in average Americans in, unless they happen to be in a crowd loving him, sucking up to him, 
applauding him. We talk about, you know, what is at the core of Donald Trump? I am convinced. I've been watching this guy now for a couple of years with, you know, some kind of up close and personal. I mean, his media profile has certainly expanded, shall we say. And it certainly seems to me that we're looking at a man who basically has no, no core. At, at, the, at the deepest level, at the, at, the, at the real core of Donald Trump, all the way down inside, there's this frightened, angry, resentful little kid who never got love. It is so obvious. This little kid who's, who got shipped off to, to, a, uh, to a military academy because he, he, his father and mother couldn't handle him. This little kid who, uh, you know, desperately wanted daddy's approval. Uh, this little kid who apparently never got that approval. In fact, in, his, uh, in one of his books, the, his ghostwriter talks about how badly his father treated him and his older brother, his older brother who, who uh, basically drank himself to death by the time he was in his late 40s. I think he was 49, maybe 45. So this is, this is Donald Trump. And, and the sooner we figure this out, that there, that there are no core values. This man has no core values. There is no vision of the future of the United States. He's just going in whatever direction is going to get him the loudest cheers and the most foot stomping and hoot, hooting and hollering out of the crowds that he's able to pull together. And because those crowds are virtually entirely made up of loyal followers of Fox so-called news and right-wing hate radio, it's, it's not going to be a group that is going to, you know, ever be asking for details or information or, hey, you know, why don't you, uh, Mr. Trump, why don't you defend the fiduciary rules so that I don't get ripped off with my retirement funds, for example? Speaking of being ripped off for your retirement funds, uh, this, this article from, uh, I believe this was the Financial Times I've got to go back into my print thing and figure out why I'm not printing <laughs> headers and footers. Anyway, uh, this, yeah, this uh, article by John Alden, Aiden Byrne, U.S. companies spent $4 trillion buying back their own stock. I have pointed out to you that companies make a profit and, you know, a well-run company makes a profit. And then out of that profit, typically they use that money you know, some of it is distributed to stockholders, but most of it is used to expand the company, to develop new products, to build new factories, to come up with new ideas, research and development. But instead, what American companies have been doing for the last couple of decades, and this goes back to changes made during the Reagan years, is buying back their own stock, which reduces the number of shares out there, which means that the price of the shares goes up. And the, the amount of the dividends goes up because there's a smaller share base to, to spread those dividends out over. And uh, they're calling this the shock market rally. It, it, this is no market rally. This is, this is a scam. Cash-rich U.S. companies have plunged nearly $4 trillion of their cash into buying back their stock since 2008, which is why the stock indexes are, higher, are hovering near record territory. Richard Bowen, a former city executive, city corp executive, blew the whistle on the bank during the 
subprime mortgage crisis. He says it was massively manipulated. It has massively manipulated the, the market. He points out these share buybacks in the open market were once deemed illegal. The SEC eased the rules in the first few years of the Reagan administration. Gee, what a supply. What a surprise. Bowen says this market scares the crap out of me. He told the Post. So maybe this is the Washington Post. In any case, it's say what? Oh, this is a New York Post. Okay. Uh, Apple, which spent $7.2 billion in the first three months of this year on stock buybacks. Uh, Yelp just approved a 200 million share purchase, repurchase. Citigroup has just announced they're going to spend $15 billion buying back their own stock. This is just a fancy way of the CEOs and managers of a, of a, big, of a publicly traded company taking the, the, the profits of the company, using them to jack share prices so that their own personal compensation goes up. That's it. That's pretty much the only consequence. The effect on stock price and CEO bonuses makes this a win-win for management. Uh, he writes, this uh, repurchase programs are responsible for most of the net inflows. In the three-year period ending in 2012, 449 of the S&P 500 companies spent 54% of their earnings, or $2.4 trillion, buying back their own stock. Last year, a whopping 66% of corporate earnings went to share buybacks, something that, as... as uh, as John Aiden Byrne points out, used to be illegal. There was a good reason why it was illegal, and it should be illegal again. This is a phony stock market bubble caused by, by uh, companies buying back their own stocks. It's nuts. Anyhow, a lot more news coming up. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. So this... The, the, the story that I, uh, I guess it was the second story that I shared you when I just started out my, my news rant at the top of the hour, was about uh, the, the striking of three pedestrians by, you know, this, whatever he was, we don't know yet, but, you know, it's an attack on pedestrians who were protesting the, the death, the murder, or the killing of a trans woman by a, a black trans woman by a police officer in St. Louis. And, and it's like, this is the, you know, using a car as a weapon, this is something that ISIS is promoting. And now the Christian right, the so-called Christian right in the United States, the alt-right, the Nazi right, whatever, you, whatever, whatever they call themselves, they've adopted ISIS techniques. What, is, what does this mean? I mean what, is, what is this doing to us? It's so there are a few other things I wanted to share with you. Actually, there's a whole bunch of other things I wanted to share with you. Um, this is this one is pretty mind boggling. This is in Indiana, Mike Pence country. And uh, just very straightforward, Marion County, which is the state's most populous county. It also has. A, uh, a substantial African-American population and is consistently Democratic. Marion County, the state's most populous county, has only one early voting site. Hamilton County, a Republican-friendly area north of Indianapolis, added two new early voting locations in 2016 and has seen a 63% increase in in-person absentee voting 
In other words, early voting. Since 2008, the county, which has a population of 300,000, has three early voting locations, whereas Marion County, the Democratic-leaning county, which has 941,000 people in it, has only one early voting location. So Republican County, with one-third as many people, gets three times as many voting machines and, and, and open places for early voting as the Republican County, or as the Democratic County, leaning county, which gets only one voting machine for three times as many people. Three other Republican-friendly counties also added early voting sites and have seen a similar increase in early voting. The headline, Indiana Republicans keep blocking early voting in a major Democratic county. This is so blatant. And because we don't have an affirmative right to vote in the Constitution, or at law, for that matter, because we don't have an affirmative right to vote, these Republicans can get away with this voter suppression. This is, it, it, I mean, voter suppression sounds so sanitary. This is vote theft, right? They're stealing your vote if you live in India. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. And of course, with uh, Kansas's Chris Kobach, KKK, uh, now they're doing it nationwide with Interstate Crosscheck. Welcome back. Tom Harmon here with you. Elizabeth in Brookville, Ohio. Hey, Elizabeth, what's on your mind today? Good morning or good afternoon. I'm calling with sadness to report something that occurred in my family uh, as a result of that melee in uh, North Carolina, uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, The same uh, day afterwards, uh, my grandson, who's six years old, was at a day camp for children, I think it was between the ages of six and 12. And a group of uh, 12-year-olds, non-African-American, we're African-Americans, non-African-American boys, circled him and forced him to chant white power. You're kidding. I'm afraid the president has created a petty... Uh, or a pediatric federalist group that's coming along that's probably going to end up as toxic, toxic as what we are experiencing now. Uh, this should not happen in America. Uh, in Ohio, I think I told you some years ago, uh, the problems that we have in Ohio is, is very bad, and it's because a bunch of those... Um, hate groups move into Ohio, and it's no surprise that the young man who ran and killed that gr- over that girl and killed her in Charlotte, Virginia, is from Ohio, right. because back in the early, the late 80s and early 90s, according to the Southern Law Pro- Poverty Center, uh, the, a group of hate groups moved into Ohio. And Ohio has the fourth largest number of hate groups in the nation, which is unthinkable considering the population size of Ohio. But this occurred in Maryland, where my grandson uh, was hazed by a group of uh, pediatric federalists. And this is is shameful. Yeah, I wouldn't even call them federalists. I'd call them, uh, well, racist, bigot. Uh, 
you know, the, the spawn of Fox News. I I don't know <laughs> Republicans. It's but Elizabeth, it's I'm Republicans. I think that we as Democrats should be more vocal and tell the truth yeah. that what's going on now with Donald Trump uh, and the uh, part a great segment of society has been going on subtly within the Republican Party for years. Oh, yeah. No, this was you know, Richard I Nixon's Southern strategy. of it in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Oh, Reagan. I, I recognized symptoms of it in the 80s. Yeah, I, and, I agree. I mean, Ronald Reagan's first speech after he was given the, the Republican inauguration in 1980 at the convention, his first public speech as an official Republican candidate for president of the United States was in Philadelphia, Mississippi, where the three civil rights workers, Goodman, Shaney, and, and Schwimmer, were uh, murdered. And, and hit, the subject of his speech was states' rights. Uh, you know, the, the, the Southern strategy, Nixon's Southern strategy is alive and well. It has been used by every Republican president since Nixon, and it's being used aggressively by Donald Trump right now. And you're, you're absolutely right, Elizabeth. And this, this whole embrace of, of white nationalism that, that Trump has has embraced, for lack of a better word, is is destructive to this country. It's 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 immediately over the short term. It's immediately destructive to people of color in this country or anybody who is not a a you know basically straight white male. But it it, it is ultimately destructive to all of us because th this is just it's just no way to run a society or a civilization. Elizabeth, thanks for calling and sharing your story with us. I'm sorry to hear it, but thank you. Helps wake people up. Jim in Lake Orion, Michigan. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. Um, you know, I was wondering what your thought of uh, is on Trump concerning the book Raven Rock. I don't know the so, book. Well, okay, I'm sorry then. Raven Rock is about COG, COG, continuity of government, and it's uh, the government's plans for thermonuclear shelters. Right. That so the government won't escape uh, a nuclear war, population won't. Yeah. And so my question is, do you think Trump is so unhinged that given impeachment, possible criminal uh, charges, he might trump up uh, the possibility of a nuclear war so him, his family, they can escape and they won't have to worry about those pesky problems of free press, the Supreme Court. Yeah, I don't think he thinks that far ahead. Uh, it, it's, but but yes, I mean, the, the, and and by the way, this raises a really interesting question, Jim. Uh, Lindsey Graham this morning said that uh, he doesn't think Trump is unhinged. He thinks Trump is pursuing a very specific political strategy. It's not one that Lindsey Graham agrees with, and I guess by implication he's saying, you know, shout out to the white racists and bring them into the Republican Party. He says it's not one he agrees with, but it's one that he believes is well thought out. I don't know that that's true. I'm inclined to believe, and this is why I said earlier, that I think that at the, at the heart of, you know, it's, it's sort of like the, at the heart of Donald Trump's soul, it's sort of like the Grinch from, from you know, a Dr. Seuss story. There's there's just a hole there, you know, where his heart should be. It's just it's just an empty space, and and he he has no uh, he has an unlimited need for love and approval, and he has no specific vision or agenda or worldview. 
beyond that he wants to be at the center of everything constantly all the time. And and therefore, it's really, in my opinion, it's really hard to predict exactly what he might do if he's cornered. And we may and and we may see this, you know, with this whole investigation that Robert Mueller is doing. Uh, I my personal guess is that he's going to find money laundering operations in in Trump's uh, thing. Money laundering is really really common among real estate developers, and a lot of Trump properties have been bought by you know with cash. So, you know, I don't think that Trump is sitting around thinking, oh, I'll have a nuclear war and my family and I will survive. Uh, but he, because he just blurts stuff out. I mean, you know, when he blurted out that he was going to take on North Korea, his generals were like, what? When he, when he tweeted out about the trans ban, his generals were like, what? You know, we don't know anything about this. Um, I think he's unstable and unhinged and therefore represents a singular danger to our republic. Jim, thank you for the call. Hey, Tom here with the Tom Hartman program. You know, I'm serious about my health and so I'm doing something for it. You've heard me talking about Super Beets. I'm drinking Super Beets, a circulation superfood powder that helps support my heart and healthy blood pressure, too. I have amazing energy and amazing stamina as well. The New York Times calls Beets fitness in a glass. With Super Beets, I get all the benefits without the bad taste or added sugar. Mix it in water or a smoothie for a jitter-free energy boost. You'll love the taste of Super Beets and feel results in as little as 20 minutes. Guarantee to your money back. Try the original berry or black cherry. I like them both. If you haven't tried it yet, now is the time. Only for the summer, you can try Super Beats for only $5.95. Here's how. Call now and get a free box of Super Beats with 10 packets to try and feel the results, plus two free indicator strips for monitoring your nitric oxide levels before and after taking Super Beats. It's just $5.95. You'll love the results. Guaranteed. More energy, more stamina, support healthy circulation. What are you waiting for? Call 800-568-9889. That's 800-568-9889. Or go to tomsbeats.com. That's TomsBeats.com. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Irene in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Hey, Irene, what's on your mind? Yeah, hi, Tom. I also had called about the uh, the right to vote being in the Constitution, and that, um, the, the 19th Amendment is the one that has to do with women's suffrage, right. and the 15th has to do with civil rights. But yep. the 22nd, or the, I'm sorry, the 26th, um, uh, amendment specifically states the right of citizens of the United States who are 18 years of age or older to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States um, or or by any state on account of their age. Right. So that's you know that's including every citizen. But see the 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 kicker there is on account of their age. Now, arguably, young people could could take this to a federal court and say, the state of Texas is discriminating against me because they will not allow me to use my college ID. I'm 18 years old. I don't have a driver's license. Um, you know, I'm, I, I don't have a car, uh, but I have, college, I have identification from a state college. It's a state institution. Um, they, they check my citizenship before they let me into the college, and I've got the ID. Why can't I use this to vote? I can use an ID that says that I'm, I have a... Uh, uh, a concealed carry permit, you can use that to vote in Texas, but you can't use a college ID. That's nuts. So that's okay. that's a case that arguably could be taken to the Supreme Court. But, um, you know, I, I'm not sure that the Supreme Court is inclined to acknowledge anybody's right to vote, particularly now that Neil Gorsuch is on the court. This, this court is going to be so right-wing crazy. Uh, you know, I'm telling you, the next couple of years are just going to have our heads spinning. Okay, so it, what 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 these Republicans are doing then is they're not discriminating against people's right to vote; 
they're all saying, oh, yeah, you're a woman, you got to write, you're 18, you got to write, you're black, you got to write, but you can't vote because you're not registered. Right. Or you or you have to jump through these hoops. You have to, you know, bring in your passport or, you know, find your birth certificate and then find two other pieces of ID and this, that, the other thing, you know, all this stuff that you've got to do. And and the whole point is to reduce the number of people trying to vote or able to vote and increase. You know, Kansas, I was just reading this yesterday, Kansas, Chris Kobach's state, where Chris Kobach was the secretary of state, has three times more people who voted and had their ballots thrown out because they had been purged from the voting rolls. They came in thinking that they were registered as voters, but Chris Kobach had removed them from the voting rolls. Um, they had three times more than any other state on a per capita basis. And that's what Chris Kobach now wants to take to the entire United States, as far as I can tell, is, you know, you want to vote? Good luck, Charlie. And or Irene, as the case may be. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I, it's... Uh, it sounds like what we need then is... Um, uh, in addition to the Constitution that, that requires people to vote, you have to vote. Well, or, or just that, that your right to vote is not, there's, there's no on account of, right? That, that there, there is an absolute right to vote in the United States and it shall not be abridged. Um, and, and frankly, I think, you know, the, the, the one exception is imprisonment. I'm, I have some problems with that. I think if people are in prison, or particularly if they've pay, you know, paid their debt to society, if they've served their time, they should be allowed to vote, but that's a whole nother, whole nother debate. Irene, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. Great, great topic. Don in McFarland, Wisconsin. Hey, Don, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom. Love your show. Thank you. Uh, love your books. But I have a question on this uh, corporate stock buyback mm -hmm. issue. Um, so if there's, <clears throat> excuse me, if there's a certain number of stocks, stock certificates in existence, and the company is worth a certain amount of dollars, right. you have stated that you do the division and that's what uh, the value is per stock. Well, yes and no. I mean, you know, the, the marketplace has has a lot to say about that, but that in, at its simplest level in theory, that that's it. Yeah. Right, right. You know, very simplistic. But if, if a corporation buys back, say, 10% or 20% of their shares, do they they don't just remove those from existence. Yes, they do. They own them, right? No, no. They they get they get to, they get deleted. They get removed from existence. So 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 they get what the it's, they call it retirement. Shares. They retire those okay. those shares. Okay. But then wouldn't the <clears throat> wouldn't the increased stock value be a truly or a, a in a simplistic sense be a true representation? Because there's less stocks. Yes, existence. that's the whole point. Let's say you've got a company that has $100 worth of assets in, in a world where we only value companies based on assets. And actually, we do it a whole bunch of other things like sales and things. $100 worth of assets, 100 shares. So each share is $1. And when they do a dividend, it's each dividend is $0.10. Cents. So if the company goes into the marketplace and buys 20 of the shares, 20% of their shares, well, let's say they buy half of their shares, just to make it really easy. They buy 50 shares back and retire them. There's now only 50 shares in the marketplace. The company's still worth $100. So every share is now worth $2. And because every share now has twice the value, represents twice as much of the company, of ownership of the company, as it used to, the dividends double. So instead of having a 10 cent dividend, you now have a 20 cent dividend because one share is the equivalent of what used to be two shares. So that's how it works, Don. I think, you, I think you've got it nailed. And, and those shares actually do get retired. Companies can issue new shares, and when they do, that's actual money coming into the company.
John, thanks for the call. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you and super happy to have in the studio with me, Nina Turner, the president of Our Revolution, the former state senator from Ohio and Bernie 2016 surrogate senator. Welcome back. Thank you, Tom. Senator Turner. And it is so nice to have you in the studio and happy birthday. Thank you so and much. This is not your birthday. You want to tell us about it? It is Our Revolution's birthday. One year. 365 days today. Yes, today, when Senator okay. Bernie Sanders launched this revolution, it's very similar to what he said on the campaign trail of millions and millions of people get together, right? Get yeah. involved. Yeah. We can change this country. We can change the government. We can change our future. And by good, you know, people have done that. They're doing it. So, really excited. We have to date over 400 groups. Right now, across the country, forty-nine states. I want to. I want South Dakota to know that we're coming. You <laughs> don't have a group in South Dakota. Don't have a group in South Dakota. If South oh. Dakota's listening, please, please. I guarantee. Please. I guarantee you, there are people in South Dakota. Oh listening, my, so. We need the revolution in South Dakota. Okay. And seven of those, though, are in other countries. So wow. we have two in Canada. So we are international, worldwide. Is, but two in great. Canada. We have, I think, two in France. So. I, w I want to thank the Democrats abroad for that so very That's great. much, but this is and, good stuff. And by the way, uh, Senator Turner can be with us for the whole half hour here. So if you have, if you'd like to ask her any questions, feel free to give us a call at 202-808-9925 and we can put you on and, and the both of us can talk to you. So in, in one year, what, what is your sense of how, how we're doing in, in, at, at one year old here, our revolution? Not only how our revolution is doing, yeah. but how the Democratic Party is doing, which is the focus of much of the efforts of our revolution, or or maybe not. I mean, correct well, me. Well, we, I mean, we empower the grassroots, and we go, we take a deep, we go in, into our states and our communities in ways that I don't think any other group does. I mean, just to give an example, Randall Woodfin, young African American running in in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, for mayor, right. running on a progressive platform got the endorsement of our revolution, just came out of his primary just yesterday, or I'm sorry, Tuesday, over over the incumbent. Wow. Yes. That's great. Over the two-term incumbent. Wow. And that came not just by our revolution, but he has a wonderful team, but we backed him. Was this, was this a, a primary against a, a, a corporate Democrat, or was this yeah. an election against a Republican? No, it was a Democrat. It is a Democrat. So this young man is going, you know, to the to the runoff in October. But I use his his election as an example because here you have uh, young people all over this country, and they're running. One of the things that Senator Sanders asked people to do: get involved in the process. Now you don't always have to run for office to be involved, but that is one way. And in order for us to change the trajectory of this nation, it's not just going to happen through, from the White House or from Congress or even the state legislatures. We need school board members, city council members, and by God, we definitely need mayors. So proud of, of Randall Woodfin. Still have, he still has to get to October the 3rd, but that is just one example. We don't just concentrate on the president, the office of the president or the Congress. Every single office. We even do state party. A transform the Democratic Party is part of our, our works. And we have seven, we help to elect seven progressive chair people across this country. So we're doing the work, progressive candidates, progressive issues, and doing our best to transform the Democratic Party to make it more accountable to the grassroots. Yeah. And, and, you know, to all of us, yeah. absolutely all of us. 
The People's Platform. Did the People's Platform come out of our revolution, or has our revolution uh, just embraced it? I, I don't know the Yeah, it did, and, and we have some partner groups like DFA, Democracy for America, National Nurses United. So we have uh, uh, other groups that are helping us with this. But yes, this was born by coalition, and we have eight bills or seven bills, and, and most of the, all of those bills have been introduced in the Congress by Democrats. All of those bills link in some way to the progressive platform. Remember, we kept hearing the most progressive platform in the history of the country was passed by the Democrats in July. Well, here it is. And so what our focus is, is to get members of the House of Representatives to sign on to those bills, to affirm that Medicare for all is the way to go, to affirm that $15 an hour minimum wage is important. And I want to go back to the Medicare for all bill because we know that Congressman John Conyers, he introduced that bill in the House and Senator Sanders is going to introduce his bill in the Senate. But it it really comes from that push and the fact that Democrats just can't, this is not just about resisting Mr. Trump. This is really about having a plan and having a vision. Mm -hmm. And it's inspirational. People don't vote from their head. They vote from their heart. Mm. Now, I believe if you can touch their heart, we can get to their head, but we got to start with their heart first. Right. And this is the problem of arguing rationally with Trump followers, for example, yes. they, they've, they've become so tribal, essentially. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is my guy. This is my tribe kind yeah. of thing. And it's just uh, and, and I think that's constantly being stoked by, by uh, Fox so-called news and right wing hate radio. Mm -hmm. um, but the 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 pieces of the people's platform, uh, Medicare for all, yes. college for all, $15 minimum wage, women's health care rights, automatic voter registration, ending private prisons. Wall Street tax, and 100% renewable energy. These are the eight uh, platform points. Do I yeah, have these right? Do. Um, how are we doing on these? The, the Medicare for all you just mentioned, it's, you know, yes. Bernie's going to be introducing that. Um, this is not something that I think any of us are naive enough to think Republicans are going to embrace, although, you know, I suppose pigs can fly. I don't know. <laughs> you know it would, I'd, I'd be worried about the apocalypse if Republicans started to embrace that. But, but let's hope some yeah. will. And maybe you know. some on the local level, I mean, even though they couldn't vote for it in the Congress. But wouldn't it be nice, Tom, to have people put aside that, that label mm -hmm. and just come together and do what, what is right? Last time I checked, Republican folks need some, some health care, too. Last time I checked. Well, and a lot of Republicans actually support single payer or Medicare for all. Mm -hmm. If you describe it to them as anything other than uh, Medicare for all or single mm -hmm. payer, mm -hmm. you know, if you describe, right. take that label off, just right. explain the concept. Yeah, exactly. No, that's what the polling says. Yeah. Too, not that you know, uh, polls are not everything, but they're a snapshot in time, and they. Mm -hmm. But this is, the, and the fact that are the elders in this country, Medicare for all, Medicare has been working tremendously well. We don't yeah. see seniors jumping up saying, go ahead and take my Medicare. It's not working. Hey, I'm on Medicare. Right? I love it. Love it. So yeah. let's let's do it for all. Yeah. Let's make sure that people have access to high quality health care. You remember, Tom, Teddy, not Teddy Roosevelt, but FDR, President FDR in 1944, I think, when he was rolling out that economic bill of rights, mm -hmm. called it. And he talked about decent jobs decent housing, health care. Yeah. You know, let's go. Let's let's do it. There it is right there. Oh, you have it. Oh, my God. <laughs> he to has it. See, you FDR and I are telling each other, yeah, right? right? 1944, President FDR proposed an economic bill of rights. They were. Every American has the right to. Now, think about that. Right. He said the right to, not maybe, not kind of half measured, have has the right to a job. 
an adequate wage and decent living. We didn't plan this time. I want I want I want your <laughs> listeners and viewers to notice a decent home, medical care, medical care. Can I say that one more time? Medical care, economic protection during sickness, accident, old age or unemployment, a good education. And that was 72 years ago. Oh my god. I mean, you know, it's not like yeah, this is there you go. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> there you go. We did not plan this. No, but but that's but <laughs> it's true. It. That's exactly oh my how god. Uh, this, this is in my so, this is my this, little stack of This is inspiring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so that's that's Medicare and then the college for all. How's that going? And the and the and the fight so, against college to, you know, having a college debt. I mean, we've got a trillion, massive, a trillion, trillion dollars of college debt out there, which is insane. Combined college debt. Yeah. And that has an impact on the middle class and people don't look at it that way. Yep. I really want people, I mean, I know we've distilled it down to say free college and university, but I want people to think of it this way, Tom. I want them to think about how in this country, at first, everybody was not in t- couldn't, didn't have access to education. You had to be wealthy, you had to be male, you had right. to be white. Yep. Let's be honest about it. Yep. But over time, we progressed. And so now we have this K through 12 model. Needs fixed somewhat, a lot. That's another show. But we need to envision in this 21st century economy a pre-K to 16 model. So this is not necessarily about free. It's about investment. Right. So if we can invest $80 billion a year to house people in prison, yeah. why can't we make that same, a better commitment on the front end to ensure that our folks in this country are highly educated, especially the millennial generation and generation after them, they won't be able to compete with their peers across the world unless they're highly skilled and Highly educated. It's an investment. Right. And every other developed country in the world makes this investment. Yes. And we learned after, again, going back to FDR, actually, I think it was Harry Truman mm-hmm. who, who, who did the, uh, the GI Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, GI, the GI Bill. And, and uh, what we learned from that is that for every dollar that we spent educating mostly young men who had come back from yeah. the war, but uh, there were some women who also qualified for it, but that for every dollar that we spent educating these people, we made $7 in additional taxes mm-hmm. over the course of their lifetimes. Mm-hmm. So it's not only an investment in the country, it's an investment, you know, just in a purely cold financial right. context that, that ideally a Republican could even understand. Yes. You know, wouldn't you want to make an investment where you put $1 in and over the next 30 years you get $7 back? That seems like a good idea. That's a good return on that investment. Okay, so, and then the $15 minimum wage, how are we doing with that? Yeah, so the goal is really to get every Democrat in the House of Representatives to sign on to this bill. So we have, you know, certain sign-ons. People can go to ourrevolution.com and, and to see whether or not their member signed on, to see exactly where, where they stand. And we encourage people to call their member of Congress to say to them, come on now. Yeah, there, you, there you go. And if you want to call your member of Congress, it's 202-224-3121. We'll be back in just a moment. Stick around. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Senator Nina Turner with us, the president of Our Revolution, ourrevolution.com. You can tweet her at Nina Turner. Welcome back. Josh in the Dalles, Oregon, watching us on Free Speech TV. You are on the air with me and Nina Turner. Hey, Josh. Hi, Josh. Hi, Tom. Hi, Nina. Nice to talk with you. I wanted to ask you about uh, the recent election in Seattle. Um, they had a they created a People's Party. Uh, some of the activists that worked with Shama uh, Shama Sawant, uh, who's a city council member, uh, independent socialist in uh, Seattle. Uh-huh. They supported uh, two other people running for 
uh, one for city council and another one for uh, mayor. And they've both kind of, uh, one of the city council uh, candidate is still in a running, but they both ran against uh, sort of progressive Democrats that were uh, supported heavily by labor, and they've kind of both gotten beat. And the mayoral race is kind of concerning because now it looks like an establishment candidate and sort of a more corporate Democrat are running. Uh, they're the two that are going into the general election. The the two major progressive candidates beat each other. The one was running as a Democrat, the other one running as a People's Party. Mm-hmm. And then I also wanted to ask you about, um, I guess there's a, a conference or a, a, a big event that's happening with Cornell West and Shama Sawant, and they're calling for uh, a draft Bernie uh, push in a, in a third a party context, people, Josh, people's party. Yeah. So jo- Josh, is that thoughts? your question is, you know, what are your thoughts on, on this third party pitch? Is that, yeah, yeah. Well, if you followed the Seattle race at all, uh, number one and number two, also this push to get, uh, uh Bernie to, to create a third party similar okay. to how the Republican thank mm-hmm. party. Yes. Thank you, Josh. Wow. Well, I did not follow that Seattle race, uh, quite, you know, Real close. Neither, so I can't comment on yeah. the accuracy or lack thereof. I, mean, of I don't said. know if Josh's point is whether or not he thinks that they canceled each other out and maybe there should have been some more planning and collaboration uh, in those races. But I will say this this is America and people have a right to run. We compete for those seats and the competition is good. It really is. And although if you're the incumbent, I've been an incumbent, Mm -hmm. you know, you look, you say, I've served well. How dare somebody run against me? That's just your human thought. Sure. But anybody running for office, whether they hold the office or they're running for the first time, you got to earn those votes. And that is what makes democracy robust to the extent that people believe that they deserve these seats or even own these seats. That's when we have a problem in in this country. So I I applaud folks running for office. So but at at what point? It, does does our revolution have any position on whether uh, you know Bernie should run as a People's Party candidate or so, you know some new political party should be created? I I always assumed that you were supportive of the Democratic. Party. Yeah, our revolution does not have a position on that, and the senator has said time and time again that he wants to make the Democratic Party better. You know, he went on this unity tour with Chairman Tom Perez, and folks saw the energy all across the country, and he was there. People really responded. People came up. Uh, came out for him because he was involved. But the senator is really trying really hard. Now, he critiques the Democratic Party. He will critique them. He he said sometimes that, you know, it seems as though the Democratic Party is on on the Titanic, certain people on the Titanic. They don't care if it goes down as long as they got, you know, front row seats. That is a strong critique of a party, though, that he is trying very much to, to help the change. He knows he can't do it by himself. And that's why our revolution exists, to transform the Democratic Party. But, you know, I'm not, you know, we had about 311 million people in this country and the fact that we put them all in two. When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent at my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish. And thanks to all the ways you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair because I don't need to have to keep taking breaks or stretch my back. I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day and you need to try the X-Chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X-Chair want you to feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com right now, that's the letter x 
Tom, T-H-O-M. Uh, not only will they knock $100 off the price, they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code Tom, T-H-O-M. Just go to xchairtom, that's xchairtom.com right now. I love my X-Chair, and you will too. So check out xchairtom, that's xchairtom.com. Check out xchairtom right now. Welcome back. Uh, Senator Turner, we have callers for you from uh, Oregon, Ohio, New York, Oregon, Washington, and California. Let's uh, awesome. pick up some. Okay, here we go. Patrice in Eugene, Oregon, you are on the air with Senator Turner. Yes, good morning, and thank you for both of you for all you do. Um, I wanted to make the comment when we go round and round and talk about our um, political responsibilities and our citizenship, and people are often asking you, Tom, what can they do, especially when it comes to how the Republicans are always uh, stealing the elections with their gerrymandering and their voter fraud. And I just feel, um, having lived on the East Coast and now being a resident here in Oregon, that if people were to petition their legislators to have mail-in voting, we can do away with all the discussion about what um, lines of the polls and what's rigged. And, you know, I just feel like the Democrats should really come up with a campaign to really drive, um, you know, that type of uh, action. And I think that it would, the results would be more honest and, um, you know, wouldn't have all this. Uh, yeah. Patrice, let's get, uh, let's get Senator Turner's thoughts on this. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Uh, Louise and I lived in Oregon when uh, it was around the time that they introduced uh, mail-in voting. Mm -hmm. And uh, they went from being kind of in the middle of the country in terms of voter participation mm -hmm. to being one of the top one or two states. In terms, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't remember the exact numbers. 68% sticks in my head, but mm -hmm. you know, some really large number of people started voting yeah. once it got real easy. They just mailed a ballot to you. There literally are no polling places. In right. Um, thoughts? Ohio has a mix. You still go to the polls, but, you know, to, to your polling location, but you can mail in too. I mean, anything that gives more people more access and takes away the barriers, we should push. We should push for automatic voter registration, which is, you know, a pillar in the people's platform. But I think Patrice is on to something. There are some people, though, who still like to go to that polling place. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a feeling about it. I'm yeah. one of those people, yeah. uh, probably because of my heritage uh, more than anything. But I like to go there and commune with my neighbors and my community. But absolutely, states in this country should do what is necessary to create enfranchise as many people as we can. And mailing in the ballot is one good way to do that. There you go. Kenny in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Kenny, you're on the air with Senator Turner. Hey, thank you both for taking my call. Um, Ms. Turner, um, one of the questions I have, I have a statement and a question. It seems like the state of Ohio here has given up on um, state and local candidates here, that we would continue to run people like Ted Strickland for governor, knowing that that don't work. And my, other, my question is, um, if the Democratic Party was seen to fight why doesn't it fight as hard against the anti-voter legislation? Just like here in Ohio, they decided to, to scrub the rolls of anyone who didn't vote in two elections. We have to get those voters back. And what is the Democratic Party doing to ensure that 
these anti-voter registration laws are pushed back and to get those voters back. Okay, and and the senator yeah. has to leave at the bottom of the hour, so we've only got thirty seconds for you to answer. Wow, I'm that's sorry. that's a deep question. I mean, yeah. listen, I, I know Governor Strickland; he's really a, a good man, you know, and 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 he ran for that senate race, and and I get it. The Democratic Party can do more. I want to encourage all of us to do more as well. The purge is is ridiculous; it's terrible. When we come back, maybe when I come back again, we can talk about the Help America Vote Act. Mm-hmm. Some of that purge is linked to that, but but play, people like John Husted has taking it a step further than it needs to, to go. Democrats should always be in the business of enfranchisement. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So from the gutting of the VRA right. to what is happening in states like mine and other states, South Carolina, North Carolina, all across this country, we should always do it, whether it's popular or not, because it really is the foundation of this democracy. One woman, one man, one vote. Amen. Nina Turner, thanks so Thank much for you, being Tom. here. Thank you, Tom. So good, good to have you in the studio. We'll be back. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you and Al in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hey, Al, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, how you doing? Good to talk to you. Thank you. I, yeah, I heard a guy call in. He was talking about the um, five presidents. And, uh, you know, sometimes I say four, two, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about the five presidents and how they should all get together and talk about the president or talk about the policy. Well, if my knowledge serves me correctly, the president is in control of their Secret Service. Not Congress, but the president of the United States. Now, if I'm in control of your Secret Service, I don't think you want to talk too much about me. That's a little tongue-in-cheek. And another thing, that uh, the situation with, you know, they want to check everybody that comes in the country and everything. Now, people say being in this country illegally or without proper paperwork is not a felony. But it is if you're a male and you're between the ages of 18 and 35 and you haven't registered for the draft. It says that it's punishable by five years in prison or $250,000 fine if you haven't registered. Mm. Some people are actually felons. So what's your point, Al? my book, Words of Wisdom. I'll send you a copy in about 30 days. Okay, great. Al, thanks a lot. Uh, Good to hear from you. Christy in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hey, Christy, what's on your mind? Hi. um, I wanted to see what you thought of a couple of um, political groups. One of them is Justice Democrats. Um, So clearly they're they're a Democratic uh, organization. And then the other one is Wolfpack. That one is uh, nonpartisan. Mm Mm-hmm. These are both super PACs that uh, Cenk Uger and his friends at uh, uh, the Young Turks started. Um, right. Cenk is a good guy. The Young Turks is a great group. Uh, you know, I don't know anything beyond that about either of them. I've, I'm, I'm not a member. I haven't participated with them. But I trust Cenk Uger. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the, the Justice Democrats one is not a super PAC, though. It's a, they, they have a it's a progressive wing and they're running on, uh, there, you can nominate candidates. Right. Uh, you can donate to the, um, yeah, you can, you can donate to the candidates and stuff. Um, and, um, they have a platform that they're running on. Um, and the one thing that is non-negotiable is that they can't take any, uh, money, money from corporations. Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar yeah. with it. 
And, and I think it's a fine thing. And, and Wolfpack is working on, on uh, you know, amending the Constitution to say that corporations are not people and money is not speech. And, and, and perhaps that we have an affirmative right to vote. I'm not sure. So I don't object to them. I, I just, you know, because they're specific to a, a, a basically a TV show um, or a TV network, as opposed to being, you know, grassroots activist groups, um, I've, I've not engaged with them. But I, but I, you know, I, I have nothing bad to say about them. Christy, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. Bertha in Garden City, Michigan. Hey, Bertha, what's on your mind today? Hi, I want to just make an observation. My husband caught it first in Charlottesville. The the crazy people they made. I think they were the supremacists. I'm not sure. They make like an OK sign. Mm-hmm. OK, watch Trump. When he speaks, he and we were trying to catch the words. Every so often, he makes that sign, right. and we caught word. We caught words like uh, war, uh, troops. Um, it, it, he makes it a lot. Yeah, the sign that you're talking about, by the way, is is the the thumb and and index finger creating a circle, and then the three fingers sticking out, and the the argument is that this is a p and this is a d- the, the three fingers make us a w and the and the and the circle makes a p and that's white power now uh whether and 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 that steve miller and and a bunch of their friends have had pictures taken at the white house where they're doing that sign um you know uh, there's some of the some of these uh guys that are thought to be parts of the the white nationalist movement who are associated with the White House have done this. Um, on the other hand, there are people who say, oh, you, you know, you're just seeing things. I don't know what the true story is, uh, Bertha, but it is rather disconcerting that they haven't come out and said, no, we're not saying white power. That's silly. We wouldn't do that. And, and nobody's, to, to the best of my knowledge, answered the question, why have so many of the friends of these people you know, gone to the White House to visit them and had pictures taken where they're explicitly doing that particular symbol? Uh, it may mean it may be that you know our broader culture doesn't think it has any meaning, but apparently they think it has meaning. So, did I answer your question, Bertha? I mean, it's not as nauseating as nauseous as he he makes me. We, like I said, he does it a lot, and there are certain words he says when he does this. Well, it may be that Trump doesn't even realize that that's a white power sign. That he's simply from the generation. The, you know, the World War II generation, I mean, Trump's in his 70s, um, or that, you know, just past World War II generation, the early boomers, um, where, you know, hey, okay, was a very, very common thing. I mean, it was, it was, it was, you know, James Dean did that, you know, I mean, that was the, the hipsters, you know, back in the 50s and 60s. So it may well be that it's just a gesture that he picked up when he was young and has always been with him. Yeah. I, I doubt that he is that smart or that sophisticated to think, okay, I'm going to slip this into my speech right now. I, I frankly just doubt he has the capacity to do that. I think he can basically only think about, you know, will people love me? Will people love me? Uh, you know, and, and, and constantly paying attention to, you know, what gets him the most applause. But, um, but it is, it is uh, concerning. Bertha, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. It was a great question. David in Morriston, Florida. Hey, David, what's on your mind? Hey, you know, Tom. Hey, I got a question there. Mm-hmm. Look, we've got all these, we've got all these uh, drug companies putting out all these opiates, right? And it's it's created an opiate problem in our country. 
and the doctors can prescribe as many pills as they want, and there's no recourse for them. But the people that actually get addicted, then they start buying their drugs on the street and getting in trouble. Well, their original addiction was caused by Big Pharma. Shouldn't we be holding them responsible? Yes. For and, they caused the problem, and, and right? there, Yes. And there are three major lawsuits happening right now. They're in the early stages against three different large pharmaceutical companies for doing just that, for inappropriately and aggressively marketing opiates to, uh, to physicians. And then the physicians, of course, would write the prescriptions like there's no tomorrow. Um, I, would, I would slightly recalibrate your characterization, though, David. In, in my opinion, it isn't just pharmaceutical companies pushing these things that has led to this epidemic of, ad of addiction. Um, one of the things that you can see really easily from the epidemiology, where you just look at populations across the United States and ask, okay, where are these addiction clusters happening? Virtually without exception, they're happening in rural parts of the country where there are no longer any decent paying jobs. And, you know, basically the best you can do is to become a, a manager at Burger King. And... Uh, I'm of the opinion that, you know, particularly when you go back to the Rat Park studies, and I realize they're controversial, but it makes perfect sense to me. I'm of the opinion that people's lives have been made so bad, so miserable, so so awful by Reaganomics. And, and, and frankly, not just conservative economics, but also, um, you know, the, the, the whole uh, uh, neoliberal economic perspective, which has been embraced by a few Democrats, that, but, but basically it's Reaganism and Reaganomics that if people are just devastated and when people are in a lot of pain even if it's not a physical pain they will turn to painkillers and that's what we we know from the studies on the rats so, david thanks for the call coming up tomorrow we'll have the latest news and information from wall street and main street all points in between Plus, best of the rest of the news. And don't forget, democracy begins with you. Get out there, show up, participate, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.